Let's rock. All right. Again, this week we're on episode three. Uh, I'm sorry, episode seven, season three. No intro music again this week. Long story. We're not going to talk about it today. But we do have a special guest tonight who we will introduce in a minute and let her talk about herself for a while. And then we have a topics tonight that I think we'll find very interesting. So, Dina, you had a great idea for uh, introduction. Do you want to introduce what our introduction is or how we're going to get into this? Yeah, so I, I've i had some conversations with some people over the last several weeks where I, I thought like thought about this and I'm like, if somebody was, if you were to say, I love this song to somebody, it would take them by surprise. So what is the, what is the song that if you said you loved it, it would totally take somebody by surprise? Hmm. All right. I mean, you want, I can go first. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. So my song, and I started listening to this song in college. I would actually listen to the song whenever I left school for the summer or breaks to drive home. And every single time, it was pretty much the only time I listened to it. And I don't know why that's the case, but every time I listened to it, I would start to cry. <laughs> so the song is Lauren Hill uh, to Zion. It's a song that she wrote about her son, um, her firstborn son. I don't know if she's had other kids since then, but in any case, um, Lauren Hill, the miseducation of Lauren Hill, the song is to Zion. And I would just, she belts it out and I would just put the windows down and belt out. Lauren Hill would be the first song. It was like a tradition. I don't, again, I don't know how it started or why it started, but, uh, that's the one. Every time I hear that song, I just, I, I, I get emotional. So that's my one. <laughs> I, I am not terribly surprised by that somehow. Well, maybe the crying <laughs> Me part. Me neither. Maybe the crying part. <laughs> I'm not even surprised by that. <laughs> All right. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> Special guest, do you want to go next or Gerard or Dina? Um, I'm going to go ahead and go next because as soon as that question came up, um, I, I love all kinds of music. If you looked at my playlist, you'd be like, oh, okay, you're all over the place. But... Um, I still feel like the emotions that I feel when I listen to and sing Jolene by Dolly Parton. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Something that um, you know, kind of takes folks by surprise um, because I, I I love Dolly and that song is just pure perfection and it just gets me, uh, gets me going and I feel like I'm Dolly when I'm singing it. It's perfect. I love that song. And you know, Taryn, I said one night how much I love Dolly Parton and the two of them laughed at me. So I'm really? just putting that out there. Yes, they laughed at me. So, I mean, but- giggled. <laughs> we may have giggled a little bit. Laugh was an overstatement. <laughs> she is a goddess. I love her. Oh, I just, I love Dolly Parton. I just love her. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Gerard, Dina, what do you guys got? I, I, don't, I don't have anything. What? You got no song? Not, 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 not nothing that would surprise people at all. Yeah. Mm-mm. Wow, you're speechless. <laughs> yeah, th- it's a first. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Dina. <laughs> how about you, Dina? Well, Gerard, if you think of something while we're recording, you you, you just shout it out, and we'll understand why you're, why you're shouting out weird songs in the middle of the podcast. Or <laughs> <laughs> will. All right. How about you, Dina? Okay, so this is a song that whenever I hear the first couple of beats of it, I'm like. Yes, and it's like the song that I always immediately want to start dancing to. It is Return of the Mac. Ah, okay, that's a good one. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that, is, that is a good one. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's such a good song. Like, it, it just, I heard those first couple of beats, and I'm like, I got to dance. 
That's yeah. funny. It's it is just it is the song, and I would say like my backup for that one that I think people would be surprised to hear is um, "Poison" by Belle DeVoe. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> wow! Oh, okay, Dana, you taking it back on us? Yeah, I, I don't know anything current. <laughs> wow. It's funny you said it because I know every word to "Poison's Every Rose Has Its Thorn." That would that's be another song. Song. That surprises me. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, we have a special guest tonight. We have Tara McAllister, a Delaware educator, uh, teacher, professor, EdTech, mindfulness, SEL advocate, a Delaware Teacher Institute fellow, a diversity and equity coordinator. And I pulled that off of her Twitter file, uh, Twitter profile, but you definitely need to follow Ms. Coco. Yep. How do, you, how, do you, how do you do your Twitter name? Is that Ms. McCoco? It's Ms. McCoco. And it was given to me by a student um, because he refused to say my full name, McAllister. Um, oh, so funny. he would always call oh. me McCoco. Um, and it kind of I stuck. Love it. Yeah. So, yeah. I always wondered how that was your Twitter name. Because every time I yeah. search you, I'm like, Taryn. I'm like, no, it's not Taryn. It's Ms. McCoco. Right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you, know, you know, tell us where you work, but what do you do? What are your passions in education? What are some things about Taryn that people might not know anything about? Um, well, I, I teach um, English, and I'm also um, a diversity and equity coordinator, like you said. Um, and I think one of the things that um, people would probably find like kind of surprising about me is that I spend a lot of my time reading about neuroscience and like the brain, and it just makes me happy and excited to learn about the way that the brain works and all that good stuff. Um, so I do uh, think that that's kind of odd as an English teacher. Um, I get a kind of, you know, kick out of that stuff. But um, I've been teaching for 13 years and I've been doing SEL and trauma and all of that kind of work for, I would say, the past four years or so. Um, and I'm just really excited to to be here and share this space with you guys because I'm a yeah. big fan. <laughs> well, I think your, your experience around SEL is going to play into what we're going to talk about tonight. But what is something now that you said that is there, are there some misconceptions of SCL that you've heard, you know, in the past year or two or three, where you would be like, you know what, people are kind of going in the wrong direction with SCL. Is there something that kind of stands out to you and concerns you around that? Well, yeah, whenever I, I I get any pushback, I think um, it's shocking to me. And what I mean by pushback in the sense that, Oh God, here's another thing we have to worry about. And like right. the truth is, yeah. like most teachers and educators are already doing some of the <clears throat> things that uh, would constitute um, using SEL um, strategies and like culturally responsive stuff in their classroom. So, um, you know, I always, you know, kind of let them vent and, and, you know, get it off their chest and then just remind them lovingly that, you know, you're doing some of this stuff. And then when I give them examples and we kind of talk it through, they're like, oh, because really effective educators are already kind of inherently doing some of the things that students, um, you know, need um, and, and those that are not just kind of need to be reminded of, of, of some of the needs of our students. So um, I do think that in the past year, it's obviously, you know, at the forefront with the pandemic and, and that, you know, is, that's a bonus because it's been something that we've been talking about for years and, and now it's finally being discussed. So, um, so that makes me happy. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. So we got Taryn on here because about, what was it, about two weeks ago maybe or a week ago? Last uh, week. Uh, last week. A tweet yep. went out and um, 
there was some pushback about mm-hmm. whether or not literacy is uh, a form, or, or I don't remember the exact tweet. I should have brought it up, but is, liter- liter- it li- is literacy a social justice issue? Right. Yeah. And we all jumped in. She's a friend of ours. She's been on the podcast before. Um, and then Taryn jumped in and we've been a friend of Taryn's for a while. And then we all kind of backed her up and, and we can certainly talk about the tweet itself, but I think it, what it lended us, or at least what my thought and Dina, you brought this to my attention. So if you want to speak to it, it, Taryn was person that got pushed back a lot on more so than other people who were not teachers of color, especially women of color. Um, So one of the questions that we thought we would start off with is, you know, black woman, why, why is there more of an expectation or why is there an expectation on them to constantly have to give up something and how has, you know, historically traumatic experiences, you know, contributed to that. So I don't know. Who wants to jump in on that? And Taryn, obviously, you're the one that is on here to to speak to it. But yeah, no, I um. So so the tweet, like, just to go back to that and give some context, Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about someone posted about you know reading and 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 literacy and the idea of that being a social justice issue, and pretty much everyone in the thread was giving some sort of information, some sort of explanation, some sort of evidence. To the fact that, yes, it is a social justice issue. There are, you know, aspects of, of literacy that, um, you know, are not strong in certain communities as a result of some of the systemic things going on. And um, all I did was make a comment about the fact that one of the reasons why I view it as a social justice issue is because in a lot of schools, there are teachers who are not teaching reading the skill um, the way that the brain needs it to be presented. And and that was pretty much the extent of my explanation. Um, and people agreed. And unfortunately, um, a troll did not. And she went to town on me specifically. Um, and I think that, you know, as you stated, there were other people in that thread, and none of them got the pushback. And I think that when a black woman or a woman of color presents an opinion, um, there is a danger to that um, and the likelihood and the chance that there could be pushback um, for various reasons. Um, that I She think attacked you personally. She called out yes. your experience, yeah. said that you weren't yeah. an experienced teacher. I um, hadn't been in the classroom, even though my Twitter says that I am a classroom teacher. Um, she wanted to, what did she say? Go um, head to head with me in a classroom. Um, yeah, or, or what does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea. And I just, I laughed because I was like, is she kidding me? Like, is she serious? Um, and then I didn't want to respond. And I'm going to be honest, like I had to take a step back and sort of think about it because if I responded in a certain way, um, then the likelihood of being labeled an angry black female um would have been greater. So I definitely felt like I had to, you know, get it right um, and, and keep it classy and all that good stuff. And as you guys know, I'm a classy person by nature. Um, yeah. But I, I was really bothered and I really did want to go toe to toe air quotes um, because again, I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> I was like, what? Um, but I, but I didn't. And, um, yeah. and, and you guys all jumped in and had my back and I'm, I thank you. 
I think we should have a uh, a teach off. We'll just call it a teach off. It'll be a pay per view event. You know, who's signing up to have this teach off? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. well, and Taryn was actually the second black woman that got pushback. Like it's oh it my. didn't happen to any other responses, um, and th- that was the second time that it happened. And what? What I found disturbing about about that, all, I mean, all of it was disturbing, but what I found particularly disturbing was the, the push for Taryn to defend herself. Mm-hmm. Like it was, there, there was no reason that, that, that this troll needed to know Taryn's ex- work experience. Like no reason at all. Exactly. And nobody, nobody came at me for mine. Um, nobody came at anybody else for their level of experience. And it went from when, when the other responder who was a black woman, um, when she got pushed back on one of hers, she, she came back and said, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not going to go into this with you, you know, however, and just kind of, and it, that's where it ended. Um, but she was, it was, it was very targeted and, like my first thought was, you know, first off, I like, I didn't want to jump in right away because I thought, you know, Taryn, Taryn is, you know, a, an intelligent woman. She can, you know, she can put something together that probably far more eloquently than will ever come out of my mouth. And I was like, you know, I thought to myself, like I sat with that for probably about 15 minutes before I did fire off a response because I'm like, you know, I, I don't think it's acceptable that this woman get away with this. And it was, it was very upsetting to me to, to see that. And I thought, you know, is this where I need to jump in? And that was when I was like, there, there is no reason why. I mean, it, it didn't even, it wasn't even remotely in the ballpark of what the tweet was about anyway. Like she was, she started talking about reading the act of versus literacy as a social justice issue, because the act of reading and literacy are two very different things. And then it became a, you know, like personal attack at that point. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided, you know what, I'm not going to be okay if I don't jump in and say something. And And that was beautiful. And that's being an (laughs) out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, people ask, like, how can you help? That's how you can help. Because Mm -hmm. you knew from the moment that you saw that post that it was personal and she was trying to get me to react in a certain way. Right. It's right. like when you, you know, I have a six year old, I have a seven year old and when they want something and I'm not giving it to them, they want me to respond in the, in a certain way. And I'm saying that because she was very childlike and I'm going to fight you, like get a grip lady. Yeah. But you saying something is important because if you don't speak up and people like you, then these trolls think that it's going to be okay. No matter how classy my response is, no matter whether or not I address it or whatever. And like I said, I was really, I wanted to not engage, but I wanted her to know that she needed to back off. Right. And we saw through what she was doing and and that should be the end of it. So I think that your um, reaction uh, was justified. And I think that you jumping in was appreciated um, no matter what the outcome, you know, of it would have been, I was grateful because that's what women of color need. We need people that 
will speak up when they see wrong happening um, and not be afraid to engage, you know? Yeah. And what's, and you know, it's like, and aside from the fact that, you know, I, I would have jumped in and had your back anyway, you know, because, you know, I consider you a friend and I'd have had your back anyway. That's how y'all are. You know, English teachers, we stick together. Um, Right. But unfortunately, Taryn was not the only person who messaged me and said, thank you. And, you know, and it's like, and it, and it was like, you know, and I, and I appreciate it. It's not that I don't, but it like, there was a part of it that made me incredibly sad, you know, and it it was just like, I I thought to myself, um, you know, I, I never, I've never in my, you know, I'm about to start year 18. I've never in my 17 years of teaching ever had to justify my experience to someone else. Not once. Right. Um, And that's, that's, that's the privilege. You know, that's the thing that um, when we talk about how hard it can be for women of color to advance and to be taken seriously, all of those things. Um, And we don't get the support, which is why I think you got such um, such love in your messages um, for speaking up because there are a lot of people we just feel like we're just sort of left to our own, you know, um, devices and and the only people that might have our backs are those that look like us. And it is nice to know that there are others, particularly women, um, who have our back because that's not always the case, you know? You know, uh, I got to add this in here because this conversation is leading me to um, a colleague of mine in this educational field of ours. She made a post, not like maybe like an hour ago when I saw it before our um, podcast. And I thought it was profound and it goes right into what we're talking about today. Her as a black woman in education and especially in that spec ed world that she navigates, she posted a quote and it said, Privilege will cause you to believe your voice belongs in every conversation. Absolutely. By Bobby Morgan. I was like, bam, as you're talking, that quote came back to me. I was like, let me go look this up real quick. Cause I, I'm like bullseye. Yeah. 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 Well, that's because white people believe like you can, you're, you're, you belong in every space. It doesn't right. matter what that space is. I mean, right. you know, and, and I've, I've suffered from that in my life. I mean, I just like, you know, I, 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 you know, as a white person, and maybe it's not, I, I can't, I should not speak for all white people, but for many white people, including myself, there have been times where I feel like I belong in every space. It doesn't matter, you know, who was a part of that space. I feel like I belong there. And and it's not the right way of thinking, but it is inherently the privilege of being white in America. And that's just, I mean, again, that's why we have this podcast. That's why we try to dismantle this idea that I don't belong in every space. There are spaces that I don't need to be a part of. But I can still honor those spaces. I can still recognize those spaces. I can still support those spaces. But I don't need to be a part of it. You know, I can stay out of certain things, you know, um, because I know people of color, you know, there's, they understand the difference between the space that I belong in, the space that I don't. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to recognize that as a white person. But it is difficult for many, many, if not most white people to recognize. So. And it's interesting. interesting to say that because I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine um, about the work of diversity um, where he's teaching and he's out of state um, and they're just sort of getting started with that. And he was, you know, talking about, you know, the fact that um, there are instances where he feels um, 
that he wants to be, you know, a, a quote unquote ally and he wants to, you know, be a part of the solution, but he feels uncomfortable because he doesn't want to be, you know, this white male, like you're saying, occupying this space and like having a say. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I understand that that can be a concern, but you have to understand that that can also be um, a positive, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I'm saying when, white women have our back. Like recently there was a basketball player for, I think it was WNBA who um, gave a speech about, um, you know, black women being in the sport and how they don't have a voice and she wanted to be an ally. And she took an opportunity where she was being presented with an award um, for sportsmanship to recognize and support. And regardless of whatever the motive is, the impact is the same. Having someone speak up, and acknowledge the fact that in a sport that is predominantly black, she is the one that the media and the sports casters choose to focus on because of her white privilege. That is huge. And that's being, you know, an ally and being someone who's using that space and that privilege um, for good. So I think that um, there is a time and there is a place for, um, for occupying that space. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right, Dean and Joe, do you got anything else on that before we jump on to the next part of this? Or are you guys good? No, I think I'm right. good. No, I think I'm All good. Right. <laughs> so, so we talked about the tweet. Um, we talked about, but you know, the social media thing is one thing. But are there specific, or not? Maybe not specific, but are there other things that that you would, would like to speak to? where you feel like you have not been able to be 100 percent yourself? So again, we were just talking about how. You know, as a white male, at times I felt like I can occupy every single space that's out there, which mm-hmm. is obviously not the truth. But are there times where you can think of where you have to not be exactly who you are, Miss Coco? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, not where I feel like I don't have to be who I am. I think that okay. there, you know, it, there's definitely a balance um, and a line that I have to be mindful of in the way that I present um, information and maybe the way that I push back, um, to avoid falling under, um, the stereotype of an angry black female. I think that that is something that, um, you know, all women of color, um, feel, um, to a certain extent, you know, the belief, um, in the way that we react to situations, um, that's something that, um, where did you, so let's maybe, where did you learn that? Did you, was there like a class when you were 13 years old where someone <laughs> took you and said, this is, you know, as a black yeah. woman, this is what you're going to need to do in the future. Yeah. Or was it through yeah. parents or, or it, guardians and, and, you know, or people have asked me, you know, like, how, well, where did you learn about racism and all of those things? And I, and I, I don't know. It was just something I remember being in high school and I had a teacher who, um, who was, you know, a black male, and he used to make comments about, uh, you know, me, you're going to go places, Taryn, because you speak so well. And, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what? And I remember, yeah. like, being 14 years old, thinking, why would you say that? And um, that brought about conversations with him where, you know, um, I definitely um, kind of thought about not just how, you know, people who are um, – who are white and, and, you know, other races would view uh, me, but, but even black people. Um, so no, there wasn't a class. 
it's just something that, <laughs> that I was think a joke. That was a joke. I know, I know, I know. Um, but but I wish there was, you know, like I wish that there there was because maybe uh, navigating it would be would be easier. But but no, it is just something that is sort of understood. Um, and and I even see it, you know, like with with young young girls um, of color, you know, like the way that um, you know teachers might interact with them, um, you know, and and the expectation of you know them being you know, sassy and things of that nature. And, and, you know, like, I I think that it just, it starts so young, unfortunately, all of it. Um, But I I don't know where I active Do you actively reach out to your students of color, especially the females? Yeah. To try to guide them towards or whatever, to try to learn how to, you know, I guess it sounds like you're kind of like figuring out the system, right? Like, how do you fit in the system? Right. I, I mean, I think that, yeah, I do. I mean, I, you know, I, I definitely, when, when girls uh, come across, you know, uh, my path and um, I think that the way that I present myself and carry myself is just me, but I also think that it's an example to them, you know, like they'll hear me respond um, in a, in a certain way. Um, and they know that, you know, I could have taken it somewhere else if I were a different person, but I'm saying it in a certain way and that's okay. You know, like those are examples that I present without actually sitting them down and saying, look, this is what you need to understand. Um, but mm-hmm. do I have those conversations with my girls? Absolutely. Where, you know, I explain to them that the way that you present yourself is critical to you getting your point across or getting what you need in order to, um, you know, succeed in whatever you're trying to navigate. You know, I've got high school students who are, you know, trying to get co-op jobs and they're trying to, you know, apply to colleges and, um, you know, they feel um, that sometimes, you know, things are, they're passed upon because of, you know, the way that they dress, the way that they present themselves or just the color of their skin. And we have those conversations. I'm not going to shy away from them. Um, at all, but I, I do think that it's sort of a responsibility of mine um, that I take seriously, um, and mm-hmm. it's not something that um, I take lightly or feel upset that I have to to do. It's just something that um, I want to do because I think that it's a really important lesson for them, um, and that's Uh-oh. sort of beyond the classroom and beyond the academics, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, and, I, and I've heard that story so many times. And I don't know, Gerard and Dina, if you want to jump in, but I, you know, as a teacher when I taught, and then as an administrator, I don't remember ever having a conversation. I don't remember ever a white male boy kid in school coming up to me and saying, "How do I navigate the world as a white male?" Mm-hmm. You know, that's never happened. It, it, not that they come up to you and ask that specific question, but you know, that's kind mm-hmm. of what they're getting at, and that's what they're mm-hmm. implying. Um, now I will insert some advice to white males that are kids that I've, that I've worked with in the, in the past, um, to try to help see that they aren't the most important thing in the world, mm-hmm. but it's never been something where they've come to me and say, how do I navigate the world? It, it's just mm-hmm. such a different world that we both live in, although we're still living in the same spaces all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and it's trying. random moments. I mean, it's ra- random yeah. things will happen where, you know, like a student, you know, was like came to me because she thought that, you know, she was having these issues with the teacher and she thought, you know, is it racial? Is it mm-hmm. because I'm black, you know? And, right. you know, the first thing is we're not going to pull the race card. We're going to sift through the information and figure it out because you and I know 
as I'm speaking to her, that sometimes we just have this like inherent, you know, just sort of like a, like a, a race dar or something like where we like, know like if someone, right. you know, being, you can't like explain it, you know, and, and, and exactly. I'm, you know, um, but, but I wanted her to understand that, you know, like it's so easy to say, Oh, it's because I'm a black female. No, like look at the information. Let's look at the history and decide like the way that she's treating other students or you know like what what's going on and and you know she was trying to get a job at like an outside um you know cooperative uh agency and and she just felt like it has to be racial it has to be racial and you know a few weeks later after our conversation she came back and she was like okay you're right it's because i'm you know fill in the blank and and i was like see like that was a lesson you know like you don't automatically jump to that conclusion so it goes both ways where you know, I'm not just talking about how she navigates it as a, you know, a black female or, or a woman of color, but like in the real world, you have to analyze and critically think and all of those, you know, skills that we teach our students to do with academic material and content, but you also need that skill in, you know, in real life. And, and she was able to kind of do that and, and realize that, you know, she was overreacting, but, you know, it just, it felt like, it was one thing and maybe it was, I'm, you know, like, I, I don't, I yeah. don't know, but, um, but that was another example where it, it went the other way where, I, we, yeah, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to try to figure it out. We're not going to just jump to, um, you know, the race card. Or she could have come back and said, you know what? That teacher's just mean to everybody. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't that, you know, um, maybe and and, and and like you know like other people were getting the job at um you know at the agency and, and she just yeah. couldn't understand and i was like well first of all the teacher's not making the decisions it's the you know the, the business so let's look at right. that and you know come to find out they had hit their quota for um the age like you know so it, it wasn't personal it was just a numbers thing um and then she understood it but um, but I did have to kind of talk her down. <laughs> yeah. like, Taren, go ahead, Jar. Go ahead. Taryn, I'm glad you brought that up because what you just explained is something that you don't, you're like, as people are journeying, people outside mm-hmm. the black community, as they're journeying on this, this path towards equitable, equitable practices, that's what you just explained is something they're not going to find in a book. And I'm going to give it like what you mm-hmm. just said, when, if a teacher finds themselves where a student a black a student of color is challenging them and is alluding to racist practices. And then that same teacher turns around and sees that student confiding or talking to a black educator in the building. Nine, 9.75. I'm a, out of 10 times. That's the, the conversation that the black educators having with the students is unpacking that. And a yeah. lot of times I think that white educator may be thinking, that their black counter, their black colleague is going down that path of automatic mm-hmm. racism and and yeah. kind of like talking to the student like, yeah, you're right. That's no, nah, that's not what's happening. We're actually yeah. educating and helping them unpack. But what yeah. you just what you described is exactly what happens, and you're not seeing that in any of these equity books you're reading. No, hmm. no, it's not like really like I said, part. it's just something that you know we just we just know how to do. And it's something that we, we know how to like help them sift through. And I think that it's really important that all educators realize that, that students want a safe place. They want a safe space. They want someone who is going to listen to them, 
regardless of their race and gender and, and all of that, that, that's, they want that connection. That's the social emotional learning aspect. That's being culturally responsive. Like that's having a connection because that enhances the learning. Mm-hmm. But the things that go beyond that, that like you're saying are not in the books is that experience that teachers of color and female teachers have that, um, you know, it can definitely benefit just because of what we've gone through and what we've experienced and we can help them unpack it. Um, but they have to understand everyone involved that we're not necessarily, you know, siding with students and saying that they're right. We are just trying to help them navigate and understand the way that the world works and the way that they need to, to address things and, and kind of, understand before they react because that's what our students do a lot of the times they react they don't think they just feel and then they respond and and that's that's because their brain is not fully developed but um we don't have to get into neuroscience behind that but you know like that's that's a real thing we're gonna have you back we're gonna have you back to geek out (laughs) it's true though so um yeah you can't always get that in a book it's just it's something that that just happens that's really interesting Huh. Well, and That's I, really interesting. Go ahead. You know, it, it's the, this is what this is what I struggle with is that you know we all have it, like you know the the thoughts that pop into our head we have no control over the thought you know the thought's going to arise when <laughs> it arises and we don't have control over that um, and we all need <laughs> people that we can process those thoughts with you know I think that's a very human thing um, and it's like if you know, if I, if I had a student and I've, I've told the story uh, when we were recording before where I had a student where I, I said something, it didn't land well. Um, and the, the problem was, is that I, I use sarcasm and you have to be very careful with sarcasm because it yeah. can, it can land. Sometimes it'll land well when it doesn't land well, it lands extremely poorly. And so the, the student at that moment was hit, hit to him his best recourse at that point would have been to leave the room. And he wasn't going to ask for my permission to do that, nor should he, based on how I responded to him, had to have asked for my permission. Like mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, it was the way that he in that moment needed to do something that was going to keep him safe so that he didn't respond to me in a way that would have escalated the situation. And as the adult in that moment, I might not have been able to come back with something effective. That would have been helpful. So the best thing that he did for the both of us, quite honestly, was to, was to leave and go process that outside of my room. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, when we came back together, like, you know, 30 minutes after it had happened, you know, I, I said to him, you know, I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm fine with how you, you handled everything. I just want a chance to be able to apologize to you and, and tell you that I'm sorry that, you know, I, I did what I did. You know, and, and so we all need that. Like we need a place where we can do that processing so that we come to situations feeling as our best self. Mm -hmm. And so for a person for, and I, and I'm going to say, you know, likely it's going to be a white teacher, you know, whether male or female for a white teacher to look at a situation with a student of color and make assumptions about why that student of color is having a conversation with somebody else. Quite honestly, that's none of our business. 
you know, that, that student needed that person in that moment, they're going to go to that person and get what they need. Just as I am going to go to whoever it is that I need in that moment to help me process. And I think that that is, it's human, it's healthy, you know, as long as the person you're going to is a, is a, a place where you are one safe. And then two, that they are allowing you to process things in a way that's not going to be harmful to you in the long term. So it just, to me, it's like people should not have to have to look at a situation and make it about them in that moment. It's whatever that kid needs. And uh, I mean, isn't that why we're in this, this job in the first place? Yeah. And I think that that's a testament to yeah. you because he might not have done that with another teacher. He felt safe enough to, to do that. He knew that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go process this and, and, and we'll come back together. But like, there are teachers who would have made that a power struggle yeah, you know, absolutely. immediately. And it would have escalated and all that. And the fact that you were able to not think about yourself, but think about what is he going through? What is happening here? This is not about me. Let him process it. And then let's come back together. That is that safe space that you obviously have created for your students, no matter what. Um, you might feel in that moment, you know, like if you have any anxiety about, you know, oh, how are we going to talk about this later or whatever, you didn't even react. You were just like, okay, let's process it and then we'll come back together. That's, that's amazing. And that's what yeah. it's about. That's, uh, that's what's being effective. But that's the, so the opposite of that is the, the, the Twitter troll who wanted to go head to head, toe to toe, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know uh, teach off because I'll tell you, <laughs> You know, and, and, and again, I, I can co-sign to what Gerard was talking about for the white people. If I and I'm talking about what, white teachers in general, and I'm not saying I'm speaking for all white people again. I'm just saying what I've experienced and what I've learned in my career. If I'm a white teacher and I have a problem with a child of color, a student of color, and they go immediately when they're upset with me to go talk to a, a teacher of color. I'm going to feel a certain part. I'm going to be in my feelings about that. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, it's hard to explain why, mm-hmm. but as something I've said on this podcast a million times, the greatest fear that we have as white people is being called a racist. Mm-hmm. As an educator, that is even enhanced even more because you know, you're dealing with your, your, your product is your students. Right. Like the, the people that you care about the most are your students. So you, you, you want to love them all. But to be thought of as being a racist, because you immediately go to that. You're like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, they're thinking something about me. Now they're all talking about me. All mm-hmm. the people of color are going to know about this. This is so horrible. I'm going to be ostracized in this building as a racist, blah, 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 blah. And you go down this rabbit hole of, of thinking craziness and it's like, stop, just stop. Like, yeah. like they, they just they need that. They're, they're not. And, and Gerard, to your point and Taryn, what you said, you have to assume that your colleagues have your back. Right. If you're truly doing the work. And that's why, again, you need to be public about it. Back to that idea about being public and being an advocate and, 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 and someone that's um, you know, pushing the movement. If, if those around you know that that's what you're about, then you have to be able to trust them that they just might have a connection with that kid yeah. that's different than your connection. Yeah. And again, back to my point about it's not your space. Like, let them have that space, right? And let them deal out, deal out, or work out whatever it is, knowing that your colleagues have your back because they know where you're coming from or where your heart is. So, but it's, I mean, that's a, and I'm not suggesting it's it's the wrong thing. It's just for, for white people who have grown up in a very white world, it's a hard thing to figure out and navigate through and become that self-aware to Dina, to your point, how self-aware you are that, that you're able to do that is awesome. Like, like what I said, what Taryn said, but 
it's a challenge. And, and, and I don't know how, and, and, and like, that's where I've kind of dedicated a lot of my career was helping white people understand, like you have, you just don't have to be everything to everybody and not all spaces are yours, you know? Um, and that's just kind of where it is. But And it also yeah. goes beyond that. Like I think about situations regardless of race or, or, or gender where, yeah. you know, I just have a connection with a student and, you know, yeah. they'll come to me and, and they, they want to be heard and, and, and all of that. And, you know, teachers, um, you know, could, like you're saying, think that not even the racist card or, but just in general, like, what are they talking about? Why are they talking about me? Or does this make me look like a, you know, an incompetent teacher and all that. So I think that, you know, there's that natural layer just in general. And then when you add race and gender and, you know, all of those things to it, it's even more intense because, you know, the label is so, uh, it's so, uh, no pun intended, but it's dark, you know, yeah. it's like, no one wants that. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, it, it's hard, but I think it goes back to like, you're saying, like just knowing that the people that you work with have your back, no matter what, mm-hmm. um, is really important to, um, to the work, um, being successful. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, yeah. to tell you the truth, like considering that there's so many different spaces to navigate and, Certain kids have certain connections with certain teachers, mm-hmm. educators. I ain't gonna lie to you. As a black man, and there's only 24 hours in a day, I don't want to navigate every space. If I see a kid that got a connection <laughs> with certain other educators, like that free that frees me up to strengthen other areas. Like I don't like I don't want to have a voice in every space. It's too taxing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a really it, it's a really interesting thing because I had a I had a conversation recently with my head of school about the fact that there is a I think a pretty d- decent level of transparency um you know of what happens and I feel like under a lot of systems where you know it's and and I think we can all commonly agree that our school systems tend to be very supremacist based you know that's there's there's a huge current of that that runs through our school systems. Um, but it, it's places where I've worked, where I have, I have felt not at peace with myself is that there was always this, um, you know, like you're, we're not going to have this conversation with you because you're not quote unquote, and I'm going to quote Hamilton here, not in the room where it happens. Right. You know, it's like, this is, Love you know, and it's, and it's not, you know, and, and I very much am under the understanding that not everything is meant for me and I don't need to be a part of every conversation. Um, I try to do as best I can to kind of stay in my lane, but what happens is that it creates this us and them. And mm-hmm. what ends up happening is that it's like, you go to ask a question and it's like, you know, you weren't, you weren't in on the decision-making, which is fine, but you, you shouldn't, the, the feeling that I've gotten before is that I shouldn't be allowed to question things that don't seem right to me. So it becomes a, you know, well, the, everybody was operating in secret and it's yeah. like, you know, you're, I feel like your best systems are one where there, there aren't any secrets, you know, it's like, there's, there's nothing to hide here. There's no man behind the curtain. It's just, it is what it is. Um, you know, and I know Doug and Gerard, you both operate this way as, as, you know, administrators that, you know, your office doors are open. You know, you, you have questions, you have concerns, you want to know what's going on. The office door is always open. Yeah. Um, I don't want to ever feel like I, I can't do that, but I've been in situations where I felt like I, I couldn't. And so then it becomes a, you know, 
as a teacher, if I'm feeling like this way, then I could totally get how such and such is like, well, well, why is this person having this conversation with somebody else? Like it, it really is a, if you want everybody, if you want to operate a totally inclusive environment, everybody needs to be able to feel like they are a part of whatever's going on. And we can't have that if, if there's some, if there's some level of muckiness rather than the transparency. Yeah. Right. So, so I'm going to be honest with you, Dina. I, I agree. I think the open door policy is definitely the thing. Um, but I'll say being a former principal now and moving on to a new role, I would shut my door for half the day. The first day teachers came back and had to set up the rooms. <laughs> because <laughs> they would come to me with where is this where is this where is this oh my, oh my gosh you guys are driving me crazy <laughs> it's a, well i i totally i totally understand that and as and as a person who would who would be the person where i'm like i don't understand what's going on i don't understand these things are let me ask the questions i totally respect what you're saying yeah there's there's nothing more <laughs> frantic than a teacher on the first day of setting up their classroom there is nothing there is no animal that can compare to that it is like get out of their way and do not mess with them. So anyway, I'm totally cool. all right, Gerard. Anything else you want to add to that, or Taryn? Anything else you want to add to that? Now nah, you, you know Dina be mic dropping, so I don't ain't nothing yeah. to add to that. Yeah. All right, before we get into the last quick part here, um, Gerard, you find out your song yet? You think about it? I'm telling you, nothing, nothing, nothing. It ain't too many times I'm in this spot. All right. All right. So, uh, Terry, maybe could you speak to some supports that you think would be good? You know, if you were, you know, if you were speaking to school administrators, you have two of them here. Um, and Dina is, is, a, is a team lead and, and definitely a powerhouse in her school. And I know you are as well. What what would be the ideal, um, you know, support system or feeling or what would a utopia look like for for and we can say black female teacher or, or female teacher of color, what are some things that you would like to see in a school building or within a district that would really support, um, support you all? I, I mean, I think that a lot of what we're doing right now, um, just across the board, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to speak for, you know, most of the schools and, you know, in the state, like they've got some level of, of dialogue happening, um, surrounding um the idea of equity and diversity and inclusion um so i think that you know continuing the work and not just letting it sort of you know be a thing that everyone's talking about for now and 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 letting it fall by the wayside i think that that's the first thing i would say like stay the course this is important work not just for you know us but for for our students you know like it's not about us um as we were saying earlier you know it's about them and and creating that space. But in order for us to be able to do that, we need to also have a safe space for ourselves and the support. Um, I think that, you know, speaking up and, and being, um, being mindful of when you speak up and when you offer the support is something that takes practice. I think that, you know, like you were saying earlier, you know, you don't want to occupy all spaces, but sometimes they do need to, um, to have you there. So um, I think that the more we, we do the more conversations we have and the more we experience as a collective, I think that it'll be easier for people who are unsure about where they should and shouldn't speak up. Um, will feel uh, more comfortable, you know, like Dina mm-hmm. was saying at the beginning where she had to take 15, 20 minutes and just sort of like, 
you know, think about, you know, whether or not, you know, she should or she shouldn't. Um, that's an example of what I think is a way to offer support, you know, and she reached out to me and, uh, you know, we, we were, you know, messaging back and forth while it was sort of happening. And I think that um, for me personally, that meant a lot because um, I was bothered. I've, I've never had that happen. I, you know, like I've never had anyone troll me. So on the one hand, I was like, wow, you really arrived. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> no, you've been, you been here you've been right, here okay um but on the other hand i was like no like what are you talking about like why why is this personal um and i knew why it was personal and she didn't know me she only knew the color of my skin and that was enough for her and um and that's what sucks about um you know the way that things are sometimes but you know, having someone, and then you guys as well, you know, you, you, you jumped in and, and, you know, we're speaking up about it. Um, I think that those are the things that we as, you know, teachers and administrators can do. Like when we see something wrong, like we tell our students and children, if you see something wrong happening, speak up. Well, you know, it's time for us to do the same thing. Um, even if it's uncomfortable. Uh, and yeah. even if later on we're like, you know, kind of debating whether or not we should, uh, should have done it or shouldn't have um, because usually um, you've done the right thing, you know? Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Great stuff. All right. Gerard, Dean, you got anything else? No, that was, that was a great take. Yeah. And this was, it. you know, it's, it just, you know, Taryn, you, you know how much I just, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of yours and I just absolutely adore you. So I'm glad we, we finally got you on the the show and got to have a a conversation with you. Now we just need to figure out how to, how to do this, where the podcast is uninvolved. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I definitely, um, I'm grateful. And I, like I said, I, I was looking forward to this. Um, I've wanted to be on here for a while because you guys are so good. So, so thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I hope I can come back. (laughs) Bring her back. All right, follow her at Ms. Makoko on Twitter. Is there anywhere else where people should uh, con- connect with you, or is that your main spot? Um, that's my main spot. Um, I also have a um, – I don't know if anyone you know has kids and is interested, but I have a, um, a podcast of children's stories called The Namaste Stories. Uh-huh. Um, and they're like mindful, um, you know, social, spiritual stories that – um, I've written, uh, and my children have helped me do, and it's something that we kind of started doing during the pandemic. Um, so we've got that going for us. So you could check us out there as well. Um, but nice. otherwise, I'm going to grab that link from you and put that in the yeah. show notes. Definitely. Awesome. So. Awesome. Yeah. But thank you for having me guys. Cool. All right, Taryn, this was season three, episode seven, and you definitely brought it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. <laughs>